the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh my gosh, it's Monday already. I'm not sure what happened. It was like, Lex, we were here like five minutes ago, and now it's Monday. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like the weekend went very, very quickly. Anyway, happy to welcome you into The Ride Home this afternoon. Uh, we have a great show a lot of fun, uh, some stimulating conversations, some really interesting topics. Uh, John Hall is on vacation. My on-air partner is frolicking at the beach with friends. And by the way, there he's frolicking at the beach with friends of mine. I mean, what, I mean, the only thing missing in this thing is like me, right? Except I'm here holding down the fort. Anyway, I'm not holding down the fort alone because Lexi Merritt is uh, producing today's show as she does every other show and uh, keeping all the trains running on time. Uh, Lexi, uh, how was your weekend? Tell me. It was good. (laughs) Sorry, that took me a second. I had to put my headphones on so I could actually hear you. Because I am indeed running around. (laughs) You are. So it was a good weekend. Yes, it was. I got to relax and do nothing. Yes. Uh, Listen, I appreciate the gift that you brought me today, a uh, Russian tea ball. Is that what you'd call it? Well, I was told that they were like wedding cookies. That's what I called them. And that's what the bakery I got them from called them as well. Okay, I would think that that's kind of a Russian tea ball, only the one that you gave me had walnuts in it. It did. Usually, I think they have pecans in them. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, I want to give a shout out to the bakery because that was a fabulous cookie. Isn't it good? It yes. was really good. It was called, oh man, now I got to look it up real quick because I want to say right. the name correctly. Of I don't want to give like an offhand name. Of course. Anyway, while you're looking that up, I'll tell our uh, listeners what we have to look forward to over the next couple hours. In the five o'clock time slot, very excited to talk to Russell Moore. Russell is the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. Also, he was the previous president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Um, He, with um, minimal fanfare, uh, but the media introduced a lot of additional fanfare into it, left the Southern Baptist Church um, within the last couple years and has written what I think is a stirring book uh, called Losing Our Religion. Um, and I'm excited that Russell's going to be with me on today's show to talk about that. So that'll be around 510, 515 this afternoon. So I'm seriously, really, really looking forward to that. Also in that hour, we'll talk about uh, the Hollywood strikes, what that mean for uh, your particular diet of reruns or game shows or reality TV or whatever it is that you watch on a daily or weekly basis. Um, in the four o'clock hour, uh, 40% of supplements don't contain the ingredients on the label. Well, that's bad. 
<laughs> that doesn't sound good. I feel like maybe some regulation could be in order there. And I'll also very much look forward to talking to Marilyn McIntyre, one of our very favorite guests and one of my favorite authors. We're going to talk about how to, I don't know, increase the kindness of our discourse and the curiosity of our um, conversations by asking generous questions. Uh, that's at 435. And also we'll talk about what it means for us if we ended up watching a lot of TV when we were kids. And I will put my hand up because I turned it. Um, okay. So before we get to any of that, that, what's the name of the bakery, Lex? Bartram House Bakery. There's a couple locations. There's one on East Carson Street. There's one in Cannonsburg, PA, and then one in Bridgeville. Um yeah, just a really awesome bakery. They have really awesome food, too, because I had oh, lunch there, and then I got a cannoli. Bring it. Yeah, and then we got cookies. Okay, so um, so I'm calling it a Russian tea ball. What are they calling it? Uh, I think they said Italian wedding cookies. Bring it. Whatever you're calling it, that is... It was delicious. It was super great. All right, and I think that means it's time for news, Lex, so uh, hit the music. Got it. Yep. It's true. It's Monday, July 24th, 2023. Number one. Naomi Grimm, a home health aide from Ohio and the second cousin of Robert Bowers, testified for the defense today in week six of the Tree of Life trial, recounting for the jury a pervasive family history of abuse, neglect and mental illness dating back to Bowers' great grandparents. Listen, in what I could only describe as a truly tragic testimony. Uh, Grimm, who's done all sorts of research into her ancestry, told the jury that Bauer's great-grandparents placed all nine of their children in the McCullough Home for Children in 1931. Bauer's grandmother was the youngest and was around age three at the time. Apparently, it was a harsh place with a lot of cruelty and abuse. And of the nine children who went into that home, Grimm told the jury at least five went on to have mental illnesses, or alcoholism, or became sexually abusive themselves, including her mother and Bauer's grandmother. I, you can read this article in the Trib. It was one heartbreaking recounting after another. Um, Grimm described the abuse she endured as a child along with her sister. Um, Concluding her testimony, clinical psychologist and trauma expert Dr. Catherine Porterfield continued to describe Bauer's history himself of a chaotic home life. Number two, Twitter launched its new logo today, replacing the little blue bird with a white X on a black background as the Elon Musk owned company moves towards rebranding as X. Now, let me say this. The, the, the very best, nicest part of Twitter was the bird. So now that there's no bird, it looks like something from the Hunger Games. Lexi, am I exaggerating? No, you're definitely not. <laughs> what is happening? Twitter's. What's the What's the point? I don't know. What's where the we point just of calling it Twitter? Yeah, if there's no I, tweets. Exactly from a bird. <laughs> because then it's just a dumb word. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's happened. Musk and the company's new uh, chief executive, Linda Yaccarino, announced the rebranding yesterday, saying the company would be renamed X and would move later into payments, banking and commerce. Uh, Elon also changed his profile picture last night. Um, he's calling it minimalist art deco. I'm calling it dystopian fear mongering. I mean, you can read more about it at Twitter. No, at CBS. 
Twitter's thought to have around 200 million daily active users. Number three, Western PA in store. All of us here for a hot week. <laughs> Pardon me. Temps in the Pittsburgh region will reach 90 degrees for several days this week, according to the National Weather Service. Today, high temperatures in the mid 80s. Same for tomorrow, but they're going to be in the low 90s on Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll have a repeat of that. Heat index values reaching the upper 90s. And on Friday, we might hit 100. And for number four, I've got a weird animal story for you. Around the world, freshwater fish are in trouble. That's no news if you uh, read on a daily basis. But that is especially true of large species. But one recent episode surprised scientists. A massive, and listen to me when I tell you, massive stingray was pulled out of the Mekong River by Cambodian fishermen. The fish, a female, weighed, wait for it, 661 and set a record for the heaviest freshwater fish ever caught. And that is your top four at four. Have you been to the stingray tank at the zoo, Lex? I have. Okay, can you even imagine <laughs> That's terrifying. a 661-pound stingray? No, I can barely imagine a six-pound stingray. Exactly. I mean, it, so the Cambodian scientists named the stingray Boromi, which is Khmer for full moon, because the thing is round. And I'm not even kidding you. There's a photograph and you're like, holy smokes, what is happening? Anyway, there's a big article in the New York Times about this today and what it means for freshwater fish. But they did, um, the stingray was not just within the last couple of days caught. It was caught, you know, almost a year ago, but they've been tracking it for a year to kind of see what's going on with the stingray population. And they determined that stingrays, um, they're not aggressive and they live in family units, like community type of things. And they're saying that's why stingrays and the freshwater fish that are surviving are still like on the go and their families are reproducing is because they're in for the team. Man, how about that? Look at that. I don't know if that means that she's got a family of people as big as her or that she was stealing all the food. (laughs) She maybe both. (laughs) But that is crazy. Anyway, it's time for us to take off because Greg Clugston is in the on deck circle. Our good friend from uh, uh, SRN News. He's the White House correspondent. We're going to talk about the latest goings on in Washington, D.C. It's what we do every Monday. And we're glad you're along for it. It's the ride home with John and Kathy minus John. We'll be right back. 101.5 WORD. When you're trying to live a life that pleases God and you're mistreated simply because you're a Christian, how do you keep the right attitude and persevere and grow in faith? There is a path that leads through suffering to triumph, and Christ himself points it out to you. Join John MacArthur as he examines that path this week on Grace to You. This is John MacArthur inviting you to listen to Grace to You every weekday morning at 7 a.m. on 101.5 Word FM. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? Term Busters, a Christian-owned company, can help. There's a tremendous price war in the term life industry. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45, non-smoker, $1 million of coverage, $75 per month level rate for 10 years. Or a man age 50, non-smoker, can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of $110. Level rate for 20 years. That's right, guaranteed level rate for 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote at 800 558 
800-558-9940. You're probably paying more than you should. Call 800-558-9940. Remember, 800-558-9940. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-smoker underwriting. Exam required to qualify. That number for term busters, Christian owned and operated, is 800-558-9940. Experts are saying the biggest economic implosion is coming. Where's your money right now? In real estate, the stock market, or heaven forbid, a bank? Those in the know are calling Swiss America, a leader in precious metals for over 40 years. Your financial advisor says metals don't earn interest. You'll never beat inflation without taking huge risks. And advisors hate precious metals because they can't make money off it. With your money safely stashed in precious metals, you can insulate yourself from the coming crash. To help get you started, Swiss America is offering beautiful U.S. silver walking liberty half dollars at the amazingly low price of just $13.50 each. Delivered. Limit 250 coins per customer while supplies last. To take advantage of this deal, call or text 800-630-1498. That silver walking Liberty half dollars for just $13.50 each delivered to your door while supplies last. Help protect your assets today. Call or text 800-630-1498. That's 800-630-1498. Message and data rates may apply. Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The ride homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise. Monday at 4.15 means that we get in touch with Greg Cluxton. He is the White House correspondent for SRN News. Greg, first off, welcome in. Second, do we find you at the White House today or from the home office? Hi, Kathy. Happy Monday. I'm at the home office today for a couple of different reasons, but uh, I'm I'm here nonetheless. Well, that's great. We're happy that you're with us. We missed you last week. understand that you were under the weather. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I like that. Have you ever- yeah. <laughs> well... Have you ever have you ever gotten like a shot or a vaccine or something and you kind of feel lousy, maybe even a little feverish or fatigued yes. like, for, like for the next 24 hours? Absolutely. I, that's the way I felt without having a shot. And it just kind of just hit me oh. out of the blue and uh, had me in bed for a day. And then I was up and going pretty soon after. So thanks. I'm feeling a lot better. You know what my mom used to call that? She called it a case of the punies. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> So just that's, if, if any it? of your if any of your colleagues inside the White House just need some documentation <laughs> or anything or maybe a description on how you felt, you could just say you had a case, a case of the punies, and I'm sure that that would there bring you go. It, well, bring it all to clarity. I'll, I'll try for to them. remember. <laughs> hey, one reason why I'm in the Home Office today is because there's been a refurbishment of the work uh, press area at the White House, what? Uh, where we have our yeah. This has been a long time in coming. The last time that we got a kind of a refresh of our workspace in the press briefing room. Uh, space was back during the George W. Bush administration. Oh. <laughs> and so oh, we got wow, some new long carpet. Ago. We got yeah, exactly so a fresh coat of paint and some new furniture, that kind of thing. And so at the moment, uh, our our SRN White House booth is empty. There's no equipment or gear at the moment. We're in the process of uh, refilling the booth with equipment. So um, that's that's one reason why that's happening this well, week. Well, all I can say is congratulations. I mean, exciting that they finally deemed you guys worthy of some upgrade. Right. Well, they yes, they we did have to work with the White House, but news networks had to uh, pitch in a little bit oh. because uh, that 
That is our workspace. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not it's not a, it's not a gift from the Biden administration. No, it's not. It's That's not. Too bad. But uh, it's it's long overdue, and you know, like like you get that you know new scent, new car yeah, smell new car when smell. you. Uh, yeah, we get we got the new carpet and new paint smell going. So that's I can't nice. wait, boy. Next Monday when we're on Zoom, I can't wait to see what this what your new digs look like. <laughs> it's probably not any more spacious than your last digs. No, the foot the footprint of our work area did not change, Unchanged. you know, one inch, but it's just uh, hopefully just uh, an improvement to the overall aesthetics. Great. So your six by six office will remain as it ever was. Yep. All right, Greg, let's talk about um, President Trump, former President Trump, uh, forgive me uh, for misspeaking there, awaiting a possible indictment. And I, I feel like we keep saying the same thing over and over again because there are so many charges pending. Uh, talk about the latest ones and what it is that he's waiting for. Yeah, a couple of things have, have happened over the last few days since we last talked uh, regarding the legal situation that Donald Trump finds himself facing. Of course, as you just mentioned, We've heard about indictments before. He has received uh, indictments in two separate cases. One was in New York. It was the civil case involving the hush money payments. And then also the second uh, indictment case uh, involved, you know, more of a, you know, it's a it's a criminal situation, a federal investigation on his handling of classified documents, those uh, those secure national security records and other uh, sensitive papers that were found at his Mar-a-Lago estate. And then also perhaps also taken to um, his resort, his golf resort there in New Jersey as well. So those were the first two cases. And now, um, you know, it's been a week or so since we've learned, but uh, Trump announced that he had received a what they call a target letter from the special counsel's office. And this is dealing with Trump's attempts to um, to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Now, there's not been an official um, announcement from the Justice Department yet or the special counsel's office. We've only heard that Donald Trump received that letter. And uh, so it's it's most likely now that the next step then would be a, a formal indictment of him on those uh, on charges related to um, for overturning the election and efforts to persuade state elections officials in various states, including Georgia and elsewhere, to find enough votes to change the outcome of that 2020 election loss that he had to Joe Biden. So that's that's still in the offing. And then we also learned last week, Kathy, uh, of this of the of the trial date that has been set for um, for Donald Trump in the case, charging him with those, uh, you know, retaining hundreds of classified documents. It's going to happen next May. May 20th is the start date of that trial. And of course, that's, oh that's still gosh. right in the middle of the presidential campaign, isn't it? Yes, it and, is. And, and even though there will be a number of states that by, by May 20th, you know, obviously starting with the Iowa caucuses in January and then moving forward through the calendar year, um, a lot of states are already going to have had their primary elections, the GOP primary elections to select, you know, um, delegates and things for uh, for nominee, you know, receiving enough for the nomination for the Republican Party. And so what's interesting is that um, even though the trial would happen before the convention, um, it's likely by May 20th, we could have a good idea, if not a firm idea of who the nominee might be by then. If these double digit you know, leads that Donald Trump has right now continue to hold up because these indictments have so far have not put a dent in his lead over everybody else mm -hmm. in the GOP field. 
We seem to be living in strange times, Greg, because uh, the more we talk about indictments, uh, the more that the casual observer would think that that would matter or that that would make a dent in his numbers. But they don't seem to. I, I watched a town hall that he did uh, last Tuesday evening, mm-hmm. and he brought up indictments and subpoenas and whatever and laughed and everybody in the uh Audience laughed. And so it it doesn't seem like whatever his numbers are, they're going to be hurt by uh, a, a trial date in May or any other indictment that would arise. That's right. You know, there there are some very potentially serious legal consequences here, especially in these criminal cases that Donald Trump faces. But he is putting forward a posture of dismissal, meaning he's he's you know, he's he's claiming, you know, these is this is all politically motivated. It's the continuation of the witch hunt, which has been tracking him for several years. And so his his hardcore supporters are fully on board with that same sentiment. And so that's one reason why we haven't seen a change in those numbers, because he still holds that grip over enough voters within the Republican Party uh, to not see any sort of change there. And you mentioned the uh, the GOP front runners, other than Trump, seem to be way down the list. I mean, I saw an article this morning talking yeah. about how surprisingly low DeSantis's numbers were. Um, so there are the other GOP candidates just kind of also rans at this point. Well, it's hard to call them also rans even before the first debate. But if you if you're simply looking at poll numbers, it's showing what a real challenge it is for them. In some cases, Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, he does have low uh, to mid double digits. So he'd be in the low teens, mid teens, that kind of thing. Whereas Donald Trump is often at 40, 45, 50 or more than 50 percent of likely GOP voters for a primary. And then after DeSantis, below DeSantis, uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina is um, is doing quite well in terms of that lower tier of candidates. But everybody else is in single digits, whether you're talking about former Vice President Mike Pence or uh, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. What's interesting is South Carolina is an early voting state. It's a key state. And you've got Nikki Haley as well as Tim Scott, both from South Carolina. And yet in South Carolina polls, they still trail Donald Trump in their own home states. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't know. It just it. It makes me think that um, that, you know, uh, evidence or reason isn't really a part of the conversation when it comes to deciding who's going to represent the Republicans uh, in the next election, because no, you know, no matter what evidence comes up, it, the, the numbers seem to, to n- not be altered. Sure. One thing we can talk about, um, you know, in the coming weeks, next time, for example, in more detail, is the idea of this uh, of a third party. This no right. labels group yeah, has been I've getting a that. lot of attention lately, and uh, they they haven't announced whether they're going to do anything yet. But uh, they clearly do not want Donald Trump or Joe Biden to, to to be the primary, you know, to be the main choice for the American voter next November. And so whether or not they jump into the mix, that's going to be really curious. Yeah. And that'll be the same old third party question, which is, you know, why vote third party? Because it's just going to take away, you know, it's going to to splinter things and then you're going to end up giving Trump the victory. But of course, that that's a question for another time. Okay, um, so let's talk about the president then. What's he looking at? He's got historically low numbers. uh, And when it comes to confidence in his own party, um, yeah. Is some, can something change that number? 
Yeah, nothing has changed it much lately um, and really since he's been in office um, and he's dealt with a couple of hard summers. You know, a couple of summers ago, you had the uh, the disastrous withdrawal in, in a lot of respects yeah. from Afghanistan. Uh, last summer, we had, you know, 40 year high inflation. Um, the inflation numbers have improved since, you know, compared to last summer, for example. And what you've seen is Joe Biden basically say Bidenomics his economic policies that he's uh, he's championing that he's really you know uh, going to be relying on the economy and his efforts to improve infrastructure and that kind of thing to move him forward to 2024 now a few months ago a lot of people might have thought that's not a great idea maybe not even today some might say it's it's a questionable idea but inflation has been coming down and there are some improving economic indicators. Now, there's still a long time between now and November of 2024, and the economy can shift dramatically one direction or another. But the White House is really hoping that the economy is on a better path now and that if the economy is improving and in a stronger position this time next year, for example, that will put Joe Biden exactly where he wants to be against the Republicans. Mm. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, our time is almost up, so that means I have to get in some insubstantial or even worthless question uh, to ask you about <laughs> something that's non-news related. Uh, I'll throw this at you. Uh, Lexi and I are going to talk in just a little bit about this ABC News report that was released saying watching TV as a kid is linked to high blood pressure and obesity as an adult, which doesn't seem to me any good. I mean, it's just a bad news wow. story. But it does yeah. cause me to think about the things I watched when I was a kid. So when you look back, let's say you are 10 years old or under, what mm -hmm. were you, Greg Clugston, watching? Ooh. Well, Saturday morning cartoons were huge. Were they? Yeah. I mean, I, I you didn't have to set an alarm on Saturday morning to get up. You know, my younger brother and I, we were up watching cartoons um, as early as we could, you know, that was a staple yes, on right. network television, for example, at that time. Um, and so, you know, just the usual cartoons, the Bugs Bunny and all the rest that uh, we would see on, on Saturday. And what morning. about Schoolhouse Rock? Like, I'm just a bill. I'm only oh. a bill. Did that draw you into the work you currently a have? Absolutely. I loved loved all of that. So, okay. you know, people in my generation, you know, we we latch on to those uh, those those early TV memories. And I was certainly right there with everybody else. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to think about uh, I believe it was Tuesday at eight o'clock, which was Happy Days, followed by Laverne and Shirley. Oh, boy. And nine o'clock three's company, which my mom was shaky on letting me watch because there were men and women living together. Yeah, no, we uh, we didn't have three's company on in our house. Even Happy Days was a little uh, give and take a little bit. I loved, uh, you know, one show I will tell you, I'll, I'll spell out. It was Emergency on Saturday nights. Oh, the fire, the fire crew and also Chips, you know, chips. Those, uh, those shows. Yeah. Uh, Ponch and John, are you kidding me? <laughs> thank you so much right. greg you're welcome all right boy i can't believe greg decided to, to bring up chips at the last minute that was exciting all right we're gonna step away but when we come back we'll continue that question but what we watched as an adult is that gonna make us fat and happy do you remember what was kept in a spring house if you're an old timer you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk in 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. 
You see, the Spring House in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. The roof was completely gone. All of our memories being wiped away. The rain is what got 20 us. minutes of sheer terror. And you can feel it in your body. I watched the fire move down the canyon. The rumbling of the house. My son started screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to die. At Samaritan's Purse, we bring spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. We go into dangerous situations because in disaster, in disease, in war, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, to heal the sick, feed the hungry, restore the broken. All who work and volunteer with Samaritan's Purse follow the example of Jesus. We go to serve, not to be served. And we go in Jesus' name. Join us at SamaritansPurse.org. That's SamaritansPurse.org. Terry Wardenis here from the Gateway Clipper. The best way to see Pittsburgh is aboard a narrated Three Rivers sightseeing cruise. Join us for a one-hour tour and experience our city out on the water. Sales Wednesday through Sunday all summer. Visit gatewayclipper.com for tickets. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Right, 724-NEW-ROOF. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. We'll see an early evening thunderstorm in spots, otherwise partly cloudy skies tonight, low 64, partly sunny and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 84. Increasing clouds tomorrow night, remaining humid with a low of 65. Very warm and humid Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sun. Expect a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon, Wednesday's high 88. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The amount of time that young people spend watching screens instead of physical activity like sports or hikes or gardening could be linked to health issues in adulthood, according to a new study. Children and teenagers who spend more time watching TV had less efficient oxygen use during exercise. That's how I felt when I was walking up the steps today in... uh... Seven Parkway Center. We have no power here in the Green Tree area. And so the six flights, you know, were, you know, that was the only way for me to get up here. And I did feel like my oxygen use was inefficient. I went to go down to the main floor to let the guard um, that we have in the, um, what is it called? I don't, Lobby. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> I'm just here to help. Yeah. Um, I went to, I had to go down the steps and then I walked back up and I stood by the door and just like huffed. <laughs> and I was still breathing really hard when I walked into the station. Yep. And, and our boss just looks at us and goes, you didn't have to run. 
Sadly. I was like, unfortunately, I didn't. I'm just out of shape. (laughs) It was just walking. Anyway, also more time in front of the tube uh, results in higher rates of obesity in mid-adulthood, even when accounting for sex, childhood body mass index and the family's economic situation. So we know. I mean, if you're sitting there watching a bunch of screens, you're not out playing in the yard or riding your bike or whatever it is. We get that. Um, And so, of course, you know, however, wherever you can build activity into your day, uh, do it. Um, So whether it's, you know, you have a workout program or you like to run or walk or you don't like to do any of those things, but you make yourself do it. That still counts. It even counts for more if you dislike it because you're showing a, uh, a commitment to health. So uh, that being said, I do want to talk about the important thing, which is what we were watching when we were kids. Because I'll tell you this, Lexi, I want to I want I want to be honest with you about this. Sunday night uh, was the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. That was, oh. I think, at eight o'clock. Uh, Monday nights was Little House on the Prairie. Uh, Tuesday night was, as I already said to Greg Clugston, Happy Days at 8, Laverne and Shirley at 8.30, Three's Company at 9. Okay. Wednesday was 8 is Enough, which was 8 o'clock. Um, Thursday nights, I don't remember anything. And then uh, Saturday nights, I remember watching, of course, we had The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Now, I have just listed for you pretty much worthless television in all of it but it's very stark in my mind that was maybe when i was in fourth grade third or fourth grade so you know every year you know, the the viewing would change a little bit mm-hmm. but tv was a really big part of my family growing up like when we would sit down to eat we'd sit down to eat in front of the tv yeah that's what it was so what was it like for you um I remember, like uh, Greg said, like the Saturday morning cartoons, yep. like the Flintstones, the Jetsons. I um, love the Jetsons. The Jetsons is so good. Also, um, Tom and Jerry was like a really good one. Um, but I watched a lot of the TV shows that my mom would put on and she would be watching. And so, and my dad as well. So I would watch like I Love Lucy. Oh, and that's uh, why you're great. <laughs> Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies was my favorite. <laughs> you know, I've never seen that. What? It's so it's. It's dumb. It's so well, dumb, sure. but it's so it's it has a special place in my heart. But yeah, I think I love Lucy was probably my favorite of like the TV shows. And then um, John constantly talks about Turner classic movies. I watch those all the time growing up with Did my you? mom. Yeah, because she is uh, she loves Turner classic movies. Those are her favorite. That's like her favorite channel. <laughs> so you love old movies, too. And yeah. you know a bunch of them. Well, I don't know a bunch. Of, like, I can't remember a lot of them. But, like, Casablanca is very um, good. And, like, kind of like all the old classics I really enjoy. Wow. You had a pretty good job. I mean, that's a lot better than Eight is Enough and Love Boat. <laughs> well, you... I also watched, like, Spongebob and, like, okay, the, good. the Pokemon, like, TV show that they had. My, I wasn't allowed to watch it every night, but because it, like, started at 930 and 930 was my bedtime. <laughs> So I, but sometimes my dad would let me stay up and watch it. So uh, what, what? Stay up and watch Love Boat? No, <laughs> no. Stay up and watch the Pokemon show. Oh. <laughs> I really don't think either one had more benefit. No, I think they're pretty similar. <laughs> oh my gosh, no! In yeah. their relevance to regular life, <laughs> anyway. Welcomes back to Pittsburgh. Will you please welcome Jeff Allen? Give it up. Comedian Jeff Allen. October 6th at Impact Christian Church. Ford FM fan club members, your advanced discount tickets are on sale through midnight tonight only. Go to our website and click on Jeff Allen's face to get the good seats now before they're on sale to the general public and at the special fan club discount of $10 off per ticket. All right. 
it's another perk for being a fan club member. Get tickets now or join the fan club at wordfm.com slash Jeff. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-353-2973 now. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-353-2973. That's 800-353-2973. What do you have to lose? Call 800-353-2973. Again, 800-353-2973. On MyPillow's 20th year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price is $69.98, and just $10 more for a king-size. In addition to this special anniversary offer on the MyPillows, you'll also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the Queen Size My Pillow for $19.98 or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty so you know it's going to last and a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want but need. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-391-0954, use promo code WORD. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The Ride Homes, John and Kathy, will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise. From the Love Boat and Pokemon to Marilyn McIntyre. <laughs> Marilyn's going to think, what kind of show has this devolved into? No, she won't, because she always thinks the best of us because of her kindness and generosity. Marilyn McIntyre is a writer. She's a professor, a speaker, an award-winning author of multiple books, including Where the Eye Alights, Speaking Peace in a Climate of Conflict, and the one I bring up so very often, Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies. Marilyn, welcome back. Realized I was following Pokemon. I'll try to make it entertaining. <laughs> oh well, Marilyn's a complex culture. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I, I was just talking to a friend yesterday about how to uh, cultivate a uh, a climate of trust in a conversation early on. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, especially when you know, you're going to be talking to someone with whom you disagree on things and -hmm. it might not be an interpersonal thing. It might be a disagreement about politics or it might be a disagreement about, you know, uh, theology or, you know, what, whatever that might be. And Mm -hmm. we, it's easy to go into that conversation 
already anticipating what you think the person is going to say. Right. And then kind of having your arguments all laid out. And so there's really no, there's nothing authentic about the exchange because it's kind of happening in an imaginary world. Right. Or at least it's right. You're both imagining the other person. And um, so, yeah, what I, what I suggested we might talk about today is generous questions, which is a term that has really helped me. Um, I've been teaching for a lot of years, and one of the things I've learned is that it's difficult to form a good question. Have you ever been in an audience where they say, does anybody have any questions? And nobody does. But I think that's because it takes a few minutes to really come up with precisely the question that opens a path for mm. a thoughtful response or a question really opens a space. And so I think of a generous question as a question that opens a hospitable space where people, it invites trust. Um, my husband is a pastor and one of the questions I've heard him ask people often that just softens them. I can see it is what was that like for you? Just not what do you think of it, but what was it like for you? And that really goes to a different place than just the head that mm. says, oh, I have thoughts and opinions about that. But really, I've had experiences that have led me to whatever it is that matters to me here. So that's a good one. Well, let, me, let me break in yeah. for a minute and just say that's really remarkable because um, I had never really contemplated how often we ask questions that that are opinion based. Yes. I think most of yes. the questions we ask are opinion based. Right. What do you think? And I think what we think matters, but a lot of thought is has deep roots of entanglement in feeling and memory and experiences that um that are sometimes unconscious. And I also think that that really to be a whole human being is to have thought and feeling integrated. Mm. I, I don't just have opinions about, say, the plight of the poor. I have feelings about it. So anyway, I think that finding questions that ask, what was it like? Or how have you, how do you think about that word? You know, that going to a particular word, uh, and just asking, well, what is it you mean exactly when you talk about what's fair? Or well, help me understand that. That's another thing, help me. Uh, it's not a question, but asking a person you know you probably disagree with to help you understand really is a pretty humble mm -hmm. um, and therefore hospitable and generous way of keeping that space open that can so easily get defended or defensive. And then another one that occurred to me is, what would you most like me to understand? I, I, I may not be getting everything that you want me to get here. So what would you most like me to understand? And the most word there brings you to the, what's at the heart of this? What's at the center of what you're um, talking about here? Where, where would you like to take me to? Hmm. I like I like that it it goes to the heart of it. Yeah, yeah. Marilyn, so I think that's to think concentrically rather than oppositionally. 
not your point, my point, you know, like you're hitting a ball back and forth, but just how do we move to the center here? Marilyn, when you come on the show with us, of course, you have a captive audience with John and I because we ask questions for a living. And so we uh-huh. love that process of tra- of figuring out how best to ask the question to mm-hmm. get the most significant answer or the most accurate answer. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe people listening to the show are like, well, what? why does it matter how I ask a question? Um, uh-huh. What would you say to somebody who's who is he's listening to us now and asking that? I would say just um, remember how it feels when someone says, why would you do that? Instead of, why would you do that? (laughs) Because the first is an accusation, basically, and it's masquerading as a question. Why would you do that? It's so dumb. But why would you do that is, I'm really curious. Help me understand this. So I think that finding your own place of authentic curiosity, I would really like to know what it is that got you to the place you are. Mm. Um, invites a story, and uh, it also, I think, enters or creates a place of vulnerability and trust. Just, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer you some of my time and attention here because I'd really like to know. I think humility isn't weakness, and I think if we can find ways of entering into a situation that's potentially explosive or divisive by saying help me, help me understand. Mm. Then, then we're on the same side of the fence. Or, yeah. And I, I, that, you know, I think that the metaphors are interesting too, even as I say the same side of the fence or, you know, it, there are a lot of game metaphors for conversation. I think, well, what if we're just weeding a garden together or exploring, you know, unknown territory together? That's different from, hitting the ball back or supporting your team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how you think about conversation makes a difference too. And certainly you have to get yourself out of a win-lose model in order to have a fruitful conversation. Marilyn McIntyre is with us. She's a writer, professor, speaker, uh, author of a whole bunch of books, including Speaking Peace in a Climate of Conflict. We're talking about how to be generous uh, in our communication, especially when we ask questions. Uh, Can we turn to Jesus for a minute, Um, Marilyn? You know, I've been thinking and reading the the Gospels about... um, Philippians talking about Jesus and saying uh, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, Mm -hmm. but made himself nothing, uh, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I won't uh, say all all Philippians too, but in thinking about that, in thinking about someone who didn't consider equality with God, something to be grasped, you end up reading the Gospels and finding a person who's not searching for himself. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not desperately trying to find who he is. Um, He seems confident um, and not eager. He doesn't see the need to prove himself. Um, And so I I just wonder what what kind of thoughts that brings to you. I, I, I was thinking of those things when you were talking about humility in conversation. Right. Well, he certainly doesn't put himself forward. I think about all the times that he says he 
he heals someone and says, go and tell no one. And so it's, he's, what Jesus is doing in the world is pretty much the opposite of self-advertisement. It's striking how infrequently he tries to persuade anyone of anything. He just wants to show them. And his answer to so many questions is come and see or follow me. And so his response is relational. Let's go see. Walk with me. And it's invitational. But I also think about his finding himself in these conflictual situations with Pharisees and people who are looking for ways to attack him. And very often he answers with a riddle or a trick question. And it's not like to be humble or engaging is to give away that their store. I mean, he, he really is trying to trip them up at their own game, but he's doing it in a way that they can take or leave. So when he says, they say, should you pay your taxes to the Roman government? And he says, whose head is on the coin? And then when he says, give Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's, he's just pitching it right back to them. You know, you, you figure this out. What do you owe? What do you owe the state? And what do you owe God? And that's ours to wrestle with and while we're on this journey. But it seems to me that he has ways of handing people things back that teach them rather than simply humiliating them. Marilyn McIntyre is with me. Uh, she's the author of a book that I talk about a lot on the air called Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies. But Marilyn, in the last 15 seconds or so, talk about your latest book. Let's see, my latest book. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back beyond the one I've... I uh, am working on. Oh, well, what are you working on, Marilyn? Well, I'm working very slowly. I, I just finished a little book of um, readings of poems for Advent. Oh, and yeah? I think one of the more recent books is When Poets Pray. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's looking at the relationship between poetry and prayer and how even poetry that doesn't make any pretense of being spiritual poetry teaches us to look at words and dwell with them mm-hmm. in a way really important for um, entering into the, the profound places that, that the word can take us, learning to read. If we are going to be people of the word, we really have to pay attention to how reading for the ancient people was just an integral part of prayer life. Of prayer life. That's Marilyn McIntyre. You can find more about her online, of course. Look for several of her books, including When Poets Pray and... Speaking peace in a climate of conflict. Marilyn, I'm grateful for you and I love when you join us. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, talk to you later. After we come back, we'll talk about how many supplements that might be on your shelf don't contain the ingredients on the label. Doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling. The first Owens Corning MVP in Pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the Pittsburgh region. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Uncle Ryan has challenged us to explain in our own words why our direct lender advantage is awesome for Word FM listeners who want to buy a new home or do a cash out refinance. Challenge accepted. Let's say you come to us for an ice-cold lemonade. Best on the block, baby. Now, luckily, we've got our own lemons from the lemon tree in our backyard. There's no trips to the grocery store. No middleman. Which means no paying extra to the middleman. No added time going back and forth with grocery lemon person. And most importantly, we're using our own lemons. 
so we can often charge you less than good old Johnny boy down the street. Doesn't Johnny know this is our street? We are United Faith Mortgage. Our direct lender advantage often allows us to move faster. And because we're using our own money within our own walls, we can often get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. UnitedFaithMortgage.com United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. NMLS number 1330. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. Deliveries at the door. Can someone please unlock? It's been an eventful afternoon with a spike in bookings at Claudia's event space. We'd love to host Mermaid Fest. I she was already planning on having more event planners on hand. 500? That's a lot of tales. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Our hiring platform instantly connects you with quality candidates, and you can schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from the Indeed dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Your home is the place where you know your loved ones are secure. But the things that keep your home protected can't keep pests at bay. That's where RAID comes in. For 60 years, RAID scientists have worked to protect people around the world with trusted research, ingredients, testing standards, and product efficacy. RAID seeks to create a better future for all, especially the ones you love most. RAID, protection for all. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call doing it right. 724-NEW-ROOF. When it comes to supplements, I never know what to do. I, you know, I, I, I tend to be kind of an evidence based. I don't know. This, I don't want this. Am I? I was going to say I'm pretty evidence based when it comes to stuff. I'm probably not. I'm probably not nearly as evidence based as I should be. But when it comes to supplements, that's when I tend to become that way because I think, now what kind of proof do we have that this is going to do anything for me? Is it going to do what it says? I'm going to spend, you know, $18 on one month supply of X. And is it really going to do something for me? Well, this article I read in Science Alert today certainly <laughs> makes me feel worse about the kinds of stuff that I'm taking or think I'm taking. Uh, a U.S. study has found that more than one-third of a selection of sports supplements bought online don't contain key ingredients the label says they should. Peter Cohen, a clinician researcher at Cambridge Health Alliance and Harvard Medical School, uh, he and his colleagues ordered 57 sports supplements to analyze their contents. Now, now, there are, I don't know how many sports supplements, but a lot more than 57. So this is a small sample. So this is not going to prove that supplements are bad or prove that they're good. It's just a test. However, um, each product's label claimed that the supplement contained one of five botanical compounds that have these performance-enhancing properties, right? You can see them on sports supplements. So what Peter Cohen, the guy at Harvard, says is this. 
The FDA does not pre-approve these ingredients, these botanical things, or any supplement ingredient for its efficacy or even safety before it's introduced, okay? So saying that they are... um, that they have performance enhancing properties is, you know, up for question. But further than that, FDA inspections have found the supplement manufacturers often fail to comply with basic standards like establishing the identity or the purity of their composition of the product. They also found 40% didn't contain a detectable amount of the ingredient listed. Half displayed the wrong amount. 12% were found to contain illegal additives. Only 11% of the products were accurately labeled, and five different FDA-prohibited ingredients were found, including an unapproved drug available in Russia, three drugs formerly available in Europe, and one drug that has never been approved in any country. Well, now what are we supposed to do with that? WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Investments.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has escalated measures to keep migrants from entering the U.S., installing razor wire and massive buoys on the Rio Grande. Meanwhile, an overwhelming majority of U.S. adults remain concerned about security at the border. According to the new Gallup poll released earlier this month, an overwhelming majority of Americans say the U.S.-Mexico border is either in a state of crisis or a major problem. The poll shows 39% of Americans believe the border situation is a crisis, 33% believe it is a major problem, while only 22% believe it is a minor problem, and just 5% believe it isn't a problem at all. That means that 72% believe that the border is either a crisis or a major problem. That is a bit lower than in 2019 when 72% said the same thing. Edwin Mora, Washington. This is SRN News. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. On MyPillow's 20th year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price is $69.98, and just $10 more for king size. In addition to the special anniversary offer of the MyPillows, you also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. 
This offer comes with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-391-0954, use promo code WORD. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. TV news. It's a love-hate relationship. Well, let's be honest, more hate. We agree. That's why we're different. Salem News Channel has assembled the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. Home to Charlie Kirk, Hugh Hewitt, Eric Metaxas, and more. There's finally a place on TV for lovers of freedom like you. Watch anytime, on any screen, free, 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The ride homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise. We'll see an early evening thunderstorm in spots, otherwise partly cloudy skies tonight, low 64, partly sunny and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 84. Increasing clouds tomorrow night, remaining humid with a low of 65. Very warm and humid Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sun. Expect a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon, Wednesday's high 88. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Happy to have you along for Hour 2 of today's edition of The Ride Home. I am Kathy Emmons in the Word FM studios, albeit without my on-air partner, John Hall, who frolics even now at the uh, seaside in one of the Carolinas. He had the nerve, Lexi, last night to send me photographs. How dare he? Yeah. And he was like, you know, it's like the beautiful beach and uh, the beautiful beach with my friends. <laughs> oh, my God. Like he's there with my friends. I mean, they're also his friends. I will say that. But I'm not there. And so they all look like they're having a wonderful time. Just without you. Exactly. <laughs> So it's really pushing me a little. But anyway, I hope he uh, seriously has a great time off. John has been sick as a dog with pneumonia. I mean, it started almost three months ago. So if anyone deserves a vacation, it's that guy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, maybe he'll come back. He'll be without the cough and he'll have everything like coming up roses. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I hope so. Listen, if it's going to be 100 degrees here on Friday, what the heck is it going to be like in the south? I don't even want to think about it. Holy cow. Anyway, uh, we had a great first hour, and if you missed any of it, you can always find our podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to Marilyn McIntyre, who is such – doesn't she have a wonderful voice, Lexi? She does. Don't like... you want her to do an audiobook for you to fall asleep? <laughs> yes, honestly, I do. She's the most soothing presence. I just – she and she writes these little tiny books. You know, like maybe her a book will be 50 pages, or maybe it'll be 75 pages. So it's – but it's really deep thinking in small areas that are just 
they, they come together to create just a really wonderful, wonderful person in Marilyn McIntyre. Anyway, I talked to her at 435. Also talked to Greg Clugston, our uh, weekly trip inside uh, the nation's capital. Um, and so if politics is your thing, you can check into that. We also talked about watching TV as a kid, how a new study says it's linked to high blood pressure and obesity as an adult. But really, we just talked about the stuff we like to watch when we were kids. Uh, and we'll talk about the viability of Three's Company as a TV show for anyone at another time. Uh, in uh, this week's Pittsburgh Magazine, Lex, um, and I'm talking to Lexi Merritt, who's the producer of The Ride Home. She's in the adjoining room. Uh, this article talked about the seven wonders of Pittsburgh. And I'd never hmm. thought of it that way. And so I thought, okay, I'm kind of curious to see what Pittsburgh Magazine, uh, particularly uh, Christina Martin, and uh, Huck Beard, who was the photographer, thought of the Seven Wonders of Pittsburgh. So I'm going to start off, uh, and uh, you can kind of tell me what you think as we go along. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Number one, the inclines. I was about to say, number one has to be the inclines. Has to be the inclines. It does. Okay, what's your favorite incline? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. Okay, so the red one is the Duquesne incline. Mm -hmm. The other one is the Monongahela incline. I have a, uh emotional attachment to Duquesne. And I haven't been on the Monongahela incline, I think, since I was maybe eight, which is a long time. And I don't know why. It's kind of dumb um, because I really I appreciate them both. I'm glad they're both there. Uh, the Mon incline is the longest running incline in the U.S. Wow. It debuted in 1870. It was renovated back uh, last year, and the Duquesne Incline joined it seven years later, 1877, has run alongside it consistently. Um, and I love the beautiful photographs that are taken, especially on a foggy day or a wintry day, uh, seeing the incline go up. It's just absolutely beautiful. Every time John and I have clients in town, we always take them there. As you should. Of course. Uh, we had two clients who were from Dallas. And they were here uh, to do a campaign in December, and they don't own coats. <laughs> oh, no. So we decided that we would eat them at Washington, and while we were waiting for our table, we would just take them up and down the incline. <laughs> I mean, I have no, I've, I can't, I can think a few times that I've seen more miserable people. <laughs> To be fair, though, this past winter was not that bad. No, it wasn't, but it wasn't. But it's bad for someone from Texas. Well, sadly, it wasn't last winter. Oh, it was two winters two ago. Two winters ago. Okay. It was two winters ago, and that night, it might have been, I mean, it was less than 10 Ooh. degrees. So the poor people were just beside themselves. Anyway, okay, number two, Kennywood. Yeah. Uh, I love Kennywood. I can't go anymore because of my stinking uh, chronic vertigo, which really gets in my way. Um, I grew up at Kennywood. I love everything um, that's old there in particular. Mm -hmm. I love the turtle, which is a ridiculous ride. <laughs> it's the ride. silliest, dumbest thing, and I love it. Um, I think Noah's Ark is weird. I don't yes. even know if I like it, but it's weird. Um, the old mill is back. I think the kangaroo was retired and brought back. That's great. Um, you have any other faves? Uh, I think the jackrabbit was my first roller coaster. Oh, the jackrabbit. I love the racer. Oh, the racer's classic. I love the thunderbolt. Honestly, I'd buy tickets just to go to the potato patch and get some fries. Well, that's fine. That's <laughs> completely fine. Um, the only thing that I'm super sad about is still the log jammer. Which I yeah. thought was great. And I, the, the fact that that was retired is just tragic. Okay, number three is the Cathedral of Learning, which I 
love because I was a pit student. Have you been in the, in the, you have never been in cathedral of learning. I have I'm not. taking you there. Okay. Okay. The commons room is the uh, lobby of the cathedral of learning on Pitt's campus. And it is, I mean, it's been linked. I mean, by hundreds of thousands of people because it looks like Hogwarts uh, inside and it's just beautiful. And I just, I, I have such happy memories being a student there and I have a lot of unhappy memories being a student there too, but that's what college is. Anyway, it's just a wonderful bit of architecture in Oakland and they've done a beautiful job landscaping it and the whole area around there between that and Heinz Chapel and the museums and the library. It's just really, really lovely. And so I heartily, heartily endorse um, number three on the uh, Seven Wonders of Pittsburgh and I will take you there, Lex. I would love that. It's just really great. Number four, uh, Phipps Conservatory. Oh, gorgeous. Also in the Oakland area, right up the street from the Cathedral of Learning. So great. I'm a member of Phipps. Happy to do it. They have 500,000 people that visit every year. Uh Philanthropist Henry Phipps is the one that donated the land. Uh, it's 15 acres, 14 glasshouse rooms, um, 23 gardens. It's an absolutely terrific place. If you've never gone there, all I can say is you are missing out. Uh, number five is Frick Park, which is my favorite park in Pittsburgh. Lexi, have you been to Frick Park? I have been to Frick Park. I love Frick Park. I love to go to the Frick. I love the Frick Museum. I love Frick Park. I love to, on an autumn, sunny autumn afternoon, to be able to go over and sit on the uh, grounds of Clayton and to do the whole museum thing and to spend time in Frick Park. It's just really, really wonderful. Uh, the next one is the Warhol uh, over on the north side, which I have to say, I don't really think belongs on the list. I think I've never been. It's not, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I think the Carnegie is much, 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 much better and much, much more beautiful and much, much more impressive. Um, so I, I would uh, debate that. And then the last one, of course, is the Point State Park. Uh, my husband and I went and hung out last Thursday night. It was such a nice night um, down at Point State Park. And what a beautiful beautiful place to be on a summer evening in Pittsburgh. Anyway, it's a Seven Wonders of Pittsburgh, according to Pittsburgh Magazine. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Russell Moore will be with us. An altar call for Evangelical America. It's next on The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. When blessing and trouble meet. Coming up on the next Adventures in Odyssey, the Magnificent Mulligan family and their animal menagerie keep getting bigger and bigger. But all is threatened with destruction when heavy rains hit Odyssey and wash away a levee upriver from the farm. Everything's growing, including the Mulligan's faith, on the next Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. The roof was completely gone. All of our memories being wiped away. The rain is what got 20 us. minutes of sheer terror. And you can feel it in your body. I watched the fire move down the canyon. The rumbling of the house. My son started screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to die. At Samaritan's Purse, we bring spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. We go into dangerous situations because in disaster, in disease, in war, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, to heal the sick, feed the hungry, restore the broken. All who work and volunteer with Samaritan's Purse follow the example of Jesus. We go to serve, not to be served. And we go 
In Jesus' name. Join us at SamaritansPurse.org. That's SamaritansPurse.org. Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000-800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. When you begin a project, it's important to have the right tools. When you study the Bible, it's important to have the right system. The book Knowable Word presents a proven three-step approach to help you correctly interpret and learn from God's Word without relying on commentaries. This is a system the author has used successfully for years. Ask for your copy of Knowable Word, available today from Truth For Life at truthforlife.org slash donate. the hard things about growing up, I think, is looking with uh, sober judgment at our childhoods, at our adolescence, our young adulthood, our adulthood, just the the decisions we've made, the things that we accepted uh, as true um, without thinking, um, the mistakes that we made um, and the ways that we went south. And I don't mean, you know, south in the United States. I mean, the ways that we kind of lost uh, our mooring. Um, and, uh, one such person who has, uh, done this type of assessment is Russell Moore, who is my next guest. Russell is the editor in chief of Christianity Today, previous president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. And before that, the chief academic officer and dean of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Moore has done a ton of things in his professional life, including being a fellow at the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics. Currently, he's serving as senior fellow with the Trinity Forum in Washington, D.C. He's got a couple podcasts, but we're talking to him in particular today about his brand new book called Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. Russell Moore, welcome in. Oh, thanks for having me, Kathy. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you, Russ, uh, in particular because I followed along uh, with your journey uh, via social media. And of course, you know, social media is kind of fake. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't purport to understand what you've gone through, um, but I have read it with interest. Um, but I know that a lot of us here in the Northeast, you know, we have an audience here in Pittsburgh, also it reaches over into Ohio and West Virginia. And of course, you know, all the people that listen online, but a lot of us don't have... Um, 
an interest or know a lot about the goings on or the daily polity of the Southern Baptist Church. You know, around here, Russ, you see a lot of Presbyterian churches or Methodist, Anglican, especially here in Pittsburgh, a lot of Roman Catholic. Um, So for those listeners who don't know, why don't you tell us what's a Southern Baptist? Uh, Well, a Southern Baptist is someone who believes in a believer's baptism by immersion, uh, believes that, that everybody has to personally come to know Christ and that each congregation is independent and autonomous but they cooperate together uh, with the Southern Baptist Convention, which is basically a missions network. So the Southern Baptist Church, the largest Protestant denomination in America with 14 million adherents, uh, it's a truly incredible number. So it makes us feel like, you know, we have, you know, our little Presbyterian churches up here. Uh, It's a whole different thing when you look at the nationwide perspective. So you start out your book talking about altar calls. Um, and that's something that you're not going to find in most Anglican churches. So what would mm-hmm. an what would an altar call look like, and how often did you have one in the church in which you grew up? Well, in the church I where I grew up, it was every single Sunday and every single Sunday night and every single Wednesday night, every time the congregation was gathered. And I, I think for a while, I thought that was that was too much that it might have been uh, manipulative and so forth. But I've changed my mind because I think uh, every week hearing that gospel proclamation along with an expectation of response really sort of trained us in in terms of the way that we saw the gospel Mm -hmm. applying to ourselves, our neighbors. It it changed us, I think, in good ways. And the importance of that salvation message being reiterated time and again. Yes. Yes, and, and to not give up on people. I mean, I, I think a lot of times what we do is to assume, well, if somebody disagrees with me or somebody's walked away from the faith or, or whatever, that, that means that person is just gone. Mm-hmm. And, and, sure. and there's no way to, to come together. And I, and I think that uh, an altar call really dispelled that. Yeah. So you grow up in the Southern Baptist Church, and then you rise to a position of uh, influence and leadership inside that same denomination. And uh, I'm sure along the way, you you were influenced by countless mentors who were godly people, um, who encouraged you in the faith and, you know, taught you theology and were examples to you in, in family and wisdom and ministry and all of that. Um, your book details, though, along the way, there were also people who were mentors to you who weren't, um, didn't maybe have the gospel message first, but had, uh, is it fair to say that they would have the cares of the denomination first? Well, I'm not sure. I think that uh, what we saw in our denomination is really something that uh, we're seeing all around the church right now, which is a, a reordering of priorities, and in many cases, an ordering of power uh, over that message of, of life transformation that comes through Jesus. I don't think that's by any means specific to uh, my denomination, but yes, that was there. So um, the SBC has had a lot of uh, well-publicized issues related to the cover-up of, of sexual abuse, um, sexual abuse allegations that haven't even been really discussed in public. Uh, there's been a crisis of leadership, as there is in pretty much every other institution you can name in America. Yeah. And uh, you kind of had a front row seat to a lot of that. So um, I guess what I want to ask you is, 
What was that like for you? I mean, before the criticism uh, turned to be leveled at you, there were a mm-hmm. lot of other issues that were raised. So um, what what was that like? Take us take us kind of into your thought process. Well, I think that what it was like for me might have been intensified because I grew up completely identified as a Southern Baptist. That was uh, we we were taught, you know, there are other Christians and and that's great. But there's something special about being a Southern Baptist, and we were taught our, our heritage and so forth. And there's uh, so much of that that is, in fact, good and, and that I, I believe uh, bears up. Uh, but I think that caused some of this to feel um, especially heavy, mm-hmm. uh, precisely because these, uh, these were and are uh, people I love, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't imagine myself outside of of them. So then as you're, as you're, and this of course is, is an incredible minimalization or minimization of what you went through, but seeing the allegations that were swirling around the denomination, being in a leadership position, um, you decided to speak out on some of them. And then after that, some of the criticism becomes leveled at you. Uh, can you talk about that transition and um, kind of what that did to you and your family? Well, the, the criticism was always uh, leveled at me. I don't, oh, so it I always was, even from the beginning. <laughs> Just about. Yeah, but but it intensified in the in the crazy times that we've seen over the past several years. And, and what and were those crazy times like for for those of us up here, like I said, who aren't tracking with it? Well, I think that every institution is in is in crisis right now over something or the other in in our denomination, uh, sexual abuse uh, issues, racial justice uh, issues, um, and also the the how closely is the church to be associated with uh, political power? Those all became flashpoints at a time in which uh, people have started to lose trust in institutions altogether. Mm-hmm. So when when some of the things, uh, I think in some ways I describe it as a kind of apocalypse. It, it wasn't the creation of something. But it revealed uh, something that had been there all along, an unveiling of it. Yeah. And so that unveiling has to be painful. In everything that I've ever unveiled from my childhood or my adulthood, it has, it's been a hard process to go through. Yeah. Glad I went through it. I feel there's been a lot of healing since, but uh, it was no fun at the time. Uh, what yeah. uh, what I, I read in your book, it, this was not a fun time for you. You know, it was not it was not a fun time, but it's it's kind of um, I kind of uh, really uh, think often about something an older man in ministry said to me uh, uh, during uh, some of that and saying, you know, if you think back at the times that God was the most active in your life and in shaking up the things that really matter, I probably wasn't in those uh, happy, yeah. uh, triumphant feeling moments. It's it's usually in a time when God seems to be very distant, and only looking back can you see. Oh, he was he was at work. So, Russell, you ultimately make the decision to leave the Southern Baptist Church. I mean, uh, that to me, uh, when I read about it online, it was unthinkable to me. Uh, Never having met you, uh, that's how I felt. I can't quite imagine the cataclysm that was for you. Yes. Well, I mean, in in our denomination, you can't really 
leave uh, the the Southern Baptist denomination because you never join. You, you're, you're part of a, a church, and that church cooperates. And uh, my wife and I are part of a non-denominational, multi-denominational church that's made up of people from Baptist backgrounds, Presbyterian backgrounds, Anglican backgrounds, non-denominational backgrounds. Um, and we found a very, a very happy community there. But yes, it was a very hard thing to even imagine. Yeah. Uh, but as I've looked around and, and talked to people all over the country and really all over the world, it's not that unusual uh, of a situation. There are a lot of Christians right now who are saying to themselves, am I, am I crazy? <laughs> am, I, yeah. am I all alone? Uh, and I, I think not. So you you write that, you know, gone are the days when you had uh, tearful parents who came to you saying, oh, you know, my kids are wayward. I don't know what to do. Uh, now you have college students uh, coming to you wondering what happened to their parents. Yeah. Uh, so we've had a significant shift. I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, collusion. Uh, well, I, I would say collusion of uh, of uh, evangelicalism and politics. Um, uh, talk about that and what you saw, what you saw growing and how those concerns in the church were, were mirrored by that. Well, yes, it, it changed. It shifted. There, there was a time when usually it was parents who were saying, I'm afraid that my kids have accommodated to the world too much. And it really became uh, overwhelmingly the case that young uh, people, young adults were coming and saying, look, I want to have a conversation with my parents. I love my parents. I want to connect with them. In some cases, it was somebody else, a, a pastor or a former youth pastor or someone else who said that, but they said everything has become about uh, politics as the defining mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, question of fellowship. And so a lot of these, these young adults were, were saying, we just we, we want to have a, uh, a relationship with our families. And we also want to have a, a common faith in Jesus Christ that's not colonized by every wind of politics. And. That that's really, if you look at how that tracks across uh, the rest of American life, that's what we see: are sure. people who are exhausted because uh, because politics has become every part of your identity. Right. And the Southern Baptist Convention wasn't wasn't interested in um, in you. Uh, what not towing the line? How would you say it? Uh, thinking I, your own I thoughts, having the wrong priorities. What? Yeah, I don't think that was most. People. As a matter of fact, I, I know that it, it wasn't uh, most people, but there were some people within uh, the denomination for whom that was the case. And one of the things that I saw and that I see now every day in pastors of, of various uh, denominations is it really only takes a small group of people uh, to, to work at an effort of um, demoralization yep. before someone says, I just I'm I'm. I, I can't do this anymore. In my case, I I came to the uh, understanding that I can I can win whatever that means uh, here because every every year at our annual gathering, our people were nothing but uh, encouraging and and uh, loving. Uh, but I I knew that at the end of that, I would become a different kind of person. Uh, a kind of person I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I concluded it was time to, to start something new. 
You write in your book, Russell, that uh, in coming out of a particularly contentious uh, meeting uh, with the SBC, uh, your wife said, look, you can stay in the SBC. You can do whatever you want. But uh, if you're still one by this time next year, you're going to be in an interfaith marriage. Yeah, my, my wife is not uh, quite as nostalgic as I am. <laughs> she uh, she was uh, along with me through this, and and she's not. Uh, my wife is not a person who uh, issues ultimatums. As a matter of fact, that's that's the first one I've ever heard, and that was that was a sign. Okay, this is really serious here. Yeah. Um, so, Russell, we've only talked about you, um, and the, the whole book isn't about you only. It's about uh, a, a view of the church. But I'm up against a break. Can you stay with us for a few minutes? Sure. Okay, terrific. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Russell Moore. We're talking about his most excellent new book called Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. So it's much more to come. Stay with us on today's Ride Home. Maybe you have a, a junior or a senior in high school, and you're thinking ahead. Okay, let's go and let visit different colleges. You, you've done this, right? This is this is how this works. I remember going with my son when he was an early senior in high school. We went to Grove City College. We were there maybe an hour, and he turned to me and said, "This is my school." And I was like, "What do you mean? This is the first place we visit?" He said, "No, this is where I belong. I feel it. I know this is what I want to do." Hmm. Funny, we had a similar situation in our family, except I wasn't on the trip. It was my husband with our daughter, and uh, she was at the end of her junior year in high school Hmm. and took a trip up to Grove City. And she had already kind of decided she was going to go to Pitt because I went to Pitt um, and because she kind of grew up in Oakland. She went up there, did the tour, came home and said, that's where I want to go. And I said, Wait what? a minute, what? What, are you, what are you talking about? It's your first place, yeah, right? Yeah, but that's where she wanted to go, and that's where she went. If you've not been to Grove City, you really got to see the place. It's a 180-acre campus, beautiful, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. It'll feel like home. So if your child, junior, senior in high mm-hmm. school, thinking about where to land, schedule a visit. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you're going to love what you see. Find out more information online anytime, gcc.edu. That's Grove City College. John's family loved it. I loved it. You might too. Attention taxpayers. If you or your business owe the IRS back taxes or have years of unfiled tax returns, the IRS has greenlighted billions of dollars in tax relief to those facing financial hardship through its tax relief initiatives. If you have a delinquent tax problem and possibly facing wage garnishment, liens, levies, audits, or already in a payment plan, you may now qualify for significant relief. Qualifying and enrolling in this program could stop all collections, settle your tax problem, and may even reduce what you owe by up to 99%. Call the hotline at Tax Help USA to see if you qualify and receive your free tax assessment by dialing 800-419-0017. If you or your business owe back taxes to the IRS or state, you can now get the help that you need during these hard economic times. Get your free tax assessment to see what you qualify for by dialing 800-419-0017. 800-419-0017. That's 800-419-0017. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. 
We'll see an early evening thunderstorm in spots, otherwise partly cloudy skies tonight, low 64, partly sunny and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 84. Increasing clouds tomorrow night, remaining humid with a low of 65. Very warm and humid Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sun. Expect a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon, Wednesday's high 88. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. We're in the middle of a conversation with Russell Moore. He's the author of the brand new book called Losing Our Religion, an Altar Call for Evangelical America. Uh, Russell, in our first segment together, uh, you talked about, and I would call this a crisis um, that you experienced in your spiritual life when you decided uh, to leave your Southern Baptist church. Um, and it's not the first crisis that you had of faith you've written before and you write in this book um, about contemplating suicide as a teenager. Um, And so I don't know, are you comfortable talking about that? Sure. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So so, so tell us that story. Well, as a 15 year old, I went through a, a spiritual crisis where I started to wonder is, is this real? Um, And, and it was disturbing to me. Is Christianity real? You mean? Yeah, is Christianity okay. real? Is it is it simply just uh, uh, control or politics or legalism or something else, or is it just uh, Southern culture? And it really it really put me in a in a dark uh, place. And thankfully, I was able to work through that. But I worked through it in a way that uh, almost no one knew that it was going on. I was I was simply praying through this and also uh, reading C.S. Lewis. Really? Which, okay. Uh, now, now, so first off, you decided not to tell anyone because it was you didn't feel comfortable talking about it. You couldn't put your thoughts into words. What? What? Why I, was that? I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't really put my thoughts into words, and I I. Um, I never came to the place where I lost my faith. I was at a place of fearing that I would. Mm-hmm. And I, I was fearing, am I, am I going in a direction where I'm going to find that the, the things I love the most, Jesus, gospel, are, are illusions. Yeah, they just made and it. I really think it was a good, um, a good thing. It wasn't pleasant at the time, but every crisis, it was a good thing because it helped me to work through and to really own uh, own my faith, and mm-hmm. I, I came out of that with a confident, renewed uh, faith. And, and what and what was it about Lewis that took brought you to that point? Well, I had read the Chronicles of Narnia so many times as a child that I recognized Lewis's name on the spine of Mere Christianity in the bookstore, huh. and brought it home. And it it helped me through it, not because of the arguments, although I agree with the arguments. But my problem wasn't intellectual. Uh, my problem was, is Christianity just a means to an end? And l- something about the way that Lewis uh, bore witness to Christ mm-hmm. and the way that he spoke yeah. uh, really directed me to to something uh, outside of what I was looking at, to the, the actual glory of, of Christ mm-hmm. and the gospel. Yeah. And such a beautiful writer, uh, and so honest about his experience. And, um, yeah. you know, I identified... With a, I identify with a lot of what you're saying, uh, and you know, Lewis spoke to me at, at different points and in different uh, 
I don't know, gave me a voice for things that I couldn't mm-hmm. quite nail down um, as I was maturing too. But then I think about fast forwarding a couple decades for you, Russell, um, in the crisis that you have um, with the leadership of the SBC, were you asking some of the same questions? No, no. And it's, uh, sometimes people will, will ask if, uh, how, how are you? I had an atheist friend who said to me, how are you still a Christian? after everything that you've seen. Uh, And it it really was because I had already been through a manageable uh, crisis, Mm -hmm. and I I knew how to distinguish Jesus from what sometimes goes on in Jesus's name. Uh, So so that had already been worked through. And uh, so, no, I've never... uh, never faltered since then. Yeah. Okay. But that same, uh, those, the same questions that it's important to ask about how much of what, and now you're in a leadership position, right? So how much of what I'm saying is the real thing is in my heart is what I believe is the foundation of my life and this earth and this story, um, as opposed to how I can, what most effectively represent a denomination or get the desired result from a congregation? How did you think about it? Well, I think that I think that one of the things that um, that God is calling all of us to right now is what uh, Eugene Peterson called uh, congruence, where mm-hmm. where the inside and the outside are lined up in a way of uh, let your yes be yes and, and let your no be no. And we're at a time when one of the reasons why people have lost trust in institutions is because they they really don't hear honesty uh, from those institutions when the number one priority is protecting the institution itself. And and yeah. any institution can get that way. And it's it's always easy to say to oneself, okay, I just need to be patient. And we do. We need to be uh, patient. But sometimes we can use that uh, patience as a, a kind of cowardice and, and a kind of uh, freezing in place. You know, almost every church scandal I've ever seen, someone, people have been saying, well, we've got a problem here, but we need to wait mm-hmm. until yeah. the stakes aren't as high. Well, that moment never comes. Right, because the the risk is that uh, it's going to be damaging to the whole product. And I don't mean to be disparaging, but you're thinking about your church or you're thinking about, you know, the mission field that your church, you know, speaks into or whatever that is, you know, bringing uh, something to light is going to have an effect. Yeah, but but, uh, the the irony of the whole thing is that uh, honesty and bringing bringing things to light in a way that actually uh, wants to bring them to repentance is is what builds credibility. What destroys credibility is the secretiveness and the holding things down in darkness. And that's why I was talking to a pastor one time who had had a, a scandal that had uh, he had discovered with a staff member, and I said, "Tell the congregation exactly what happened, yeah. and tell the community what happened." And he said, "Well, I can't do that because then they won't have confidence in our church." And I said, no, keeping it back is what will destroy confidence yeah. in your church. Telling the truth won't. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, at that moment of reckoning, though, it's hard, right? You, it's, it, it is very hard. It is the right thing to do, but it is also the hard thing to do, which as is often the right thing to do. Russell, I'm up against another break. Can you hang another minute? 
Uh, sure. Oh, God bless you. Uh, the book is so good, Losing Our Religion, uh, an altar call for evangelical America. Russell Moore is the editor of Christianity Today, and he's written uh, it's some kind of book. I highly recommend it to you. He's going to uh, be kind enough to wait for a couple minutes. We'll continue our conversation on the other side of this break. Thanks for being here. The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. It's summer in Pittsburgh, but already Word FM is talking about heading back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals now at wordfm.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at wordfm.com slash tuitions. If you're like me, one of the best parts of summer is a solid garage sale. Or let's be honest, most of what's going on is not great. I'm talking to you, scary 1980 Cabbage Patch Kid doll. But almost always a Mr. Scary Clutter is a fantastic deal and opportunity to be found. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And the same thing is going on in the new home purchase market right now. High interest rates are Cabbage Patch Scary. But they've also created a big opportunity because high interest rates have brought home prices down, at least for now meaning an opportunity to buy the dream home now because the price of a home is forever. With the plan to refinance a scary rate when rates settle, which many experts believe is in the near future. Know we've got a direct lender advantage that can often save you monthly and lifelong money and a $1,000 lender credit at closing for all Word FM listeners. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And... By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1 800 Very Dry. JD Waterproofing. 1 800 Very Dry. When you begin a project, it's important to have the right tools. When you study the Bible, it's important to have the right system. The book Knowable Word presents a proven three-step approach to help you correctly interpret and learn from God's Word without relying on commentaries. This is a system the author has used successfully for years. Ask for your copy of Knowable Word, available today from Truth For Life at truthforlife.org. Donate. Russell Moore's new book is called Losing Our Religion, an Altar Call for Evangelical America. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's 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 incredibly readable, um, but it also has a lot of food for thought in it. Um, and, you know, Russell, I think anyone who uh, has any public platform, whether it's a, a small church pastor, a big church pastor, a mom, a dad, 
um, a teacher. Uh, I know John and I here on the program here, we have had so many moments of reckoning uh, since 2016 about um, what the role of the church is. Uh, when is it okay to speak out? When is it, uh, what's looking at the, at the um, oppositional forces that are around us, you have the far right in America, you've got the far left in America. Um, and there is this increasing sense, and I can speak for myself and John in particular, because this is the work we do of homelessness uh, is that I, I I don't know. I don't we don't know where to go. We don't know who our group is anymore. We you know, we don't know. We lost um, a lot of friends. Um, We lost people, you know, listeners to the program or people who had um, been friends of ours for decades. I know people had rifts in their family um, and not just over politics, but it just seems that so much of culture has become so oppositional and it's it's hard to feel like um, you don't know who, quote unquote, your people are. Uh, did you feel that way? And if you, well, first of all, did you feel that way? Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, and, and I think that, I mean, I have this conversation with people every, literally every day of this sense of homelessness. I don't know where I, I fit anymore, but what's giving me a lot of hope about that is that a lot of these, uh, homeless people are finding each other. And one of the things I think that we're finding out right now is that the homelessness actually is a necessary part of of God doing something new. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you if you look in Scripture, every time it's this uh, it's this walking out into what what seems to be uh, a very unknown uh, future. Uh, Abram was homeless, but yeah. God was taking him to a different city. And I think I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our quest for stability has been shaken up, and a lot of that is really painful. But I do think that God is is bringing something beautiful out of it. So for yourself, um, Russell, talk about beautiful things that God has brought um, and shown to you since you decided to leave publicly um, your Southern Baptist Church and your new establishment at Christianity Today, et cetera. Well, I think uh, one of the things that God has uh, shown me is uh, that there are all kinds of people that uh, I I never really thought of as my people, but uh, who I came to to love and who were the people who were right there uh, with me. And it's one of these things, you know, I should have learned that as a youth pastor at the beginning of my youth ministry, because uh, I would... I would see kids that I thought were never going to uh, to really do anything with their lives or for the Lord, who shocked me uh, by the, the the way that they turned out to be just powerful warriors for Christ. And so people surprise you. And, and I think we're finding mm-hmm. some surprising sorts of uh, friendships and coalitions that are coming together. So that willingness to be surprised is one of my favorite things about living right now. Uh, is just being open to new people or new ideas. Um, I, I was just talking to Marilyn McIntyre in the last hour. She's a writer who I love, and she's uh, she joins us regularly. And I love how she consistently encourages people to ask questions that are generous. 
and yeah. to uh, start a conversation with with a sense of humility and a sense of curiosity. And I think, gosh, that's so missing in how we talk online, on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now. I mean, it's just there, there's there's not a lot of that, of that gentleness and generosity. There, there's really not. And, and I think part of that is because we've lost sight of what it means to actually argue. Uh, in, a, in a real sense of, of going back and forth with ideas. Instead, uh, we, we think that somehow we're going to change one another through intimidation and quarrelsomeness, as, as the scripture puts it. But, uh, I mean, how many of us have ever changed our minds on anything at, at the end of a 20-minute argument in which we said, oh, I lose? And I think one of the one of the problems with that is that we not only don't understand that some of the people who seem to be the most uh, oppositional to some of our ideas are actually considering those things, and they're they're kind of under mm, the surface. Yeah. And, and sometimes, sometimes that does yeah percolating, and sometimes it doesn't really uh, come to the surface until someone uh, gets into some sort of a, a dark night of the soul or a, or a crisis, and they ask, uh, "Where can I turn?" Yeah, I mean the, the the prodigal son didn't come to himself until the famine hit, and uh, so I think we give up on people too easily. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good word. Um, I also, uh, okay, this has to be my last question because I'm about out of time and I want to thank you so much for you, for your generosity, uh, in sticking with me today. But I, I guess, you know, you're talking to a lot of people here, uh, in Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, who have been, uh, hurt by the church. You're talking to people who have been faithful churchgoers for years. You're talking to people like me who go to a wonderful church. Um, and you're talking to people who've probably never stepped foot in a church. So um, from your experience in the last decade in particular, what would you most like us to understand? Um, what do you think your story, um, how, how would you want to express that to this, you know, variant group of people? I would say Jesus is alive, so don't be afraid, first. And second, I would say don't let your disillusionment take you into cynicism. Uh, let, it, let it actually break illusions where there are illusions, but don't let it make you uh, numb and, and uh, cynical. And, and that's, I think, the danger that, that happens to any of us is that we simply uh, give up. And so we shouldn't give up on one another. We shouldn't give up on the church. We shouldn't give up on uh, Jesus. And he has never given us a reason to. Amen. The new book by Russell Moore is called Losing Our Religion, an Altar Call for Evangelical America. Russell, I can't thank you enough. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Not just the conversation, but your most excellent work in this book and beyond. So God's blessings you. to you. You too. Thank mm -hmm. you. The new book, listen, you got to get your hands on it, Losing Our Religion. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shock you in some places. It's going to make you go, hmm. And uh, it's really going to, I think, open up your mind. So check it out. Okay, next time you're at the store, I dare you to not think about the unmistakable, fresh, clean scent of Irish Spring. Yeah, you heard me. I want you to resist picturing a shower filled with those sensational Irish Spring suds. And if you succeed, well, you got what my gramps used to call resolutitude. Not a real word. But let's be honest, you're probably going to end up leaving with Irish Spring. 
because of its irresistible scent, and because you have zero resolutitude. Pick up Irish Spring today. The extracurricular activities, the traffic, the nightly homework, the traffic, the finding time to eat dinner together as a family, the traffic. Back to school can be stressful. Thanks to Ziploc, meal prep doesn't have to be. New Ziploc bags with Stay Open Design have a patented stand-up bottom that helps keep the bag upright and a top grease that folds and holds for easy filling, unlocking a second set of hands in the kitchen. If only it unlocked a second set of lanes. New Ziploc brand freezer and storage bags with Stay Open Design from S.C. Johnson, a family company. This is Pastor Tom Hall of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, downtown. This year, we're celebrating 250 years of God's faithfulness, making us the oldest anything in Pittsburgh, older than any newspaper, school, or business. God was working here before the nation was founded. Join us for worship in the majesty of our grand sanctuary, Sunday mornings at 1045. God's not done with this great old church. God's not done with you either. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before before. We get it and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith-focused education that believes in transparency, parents, and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Pittsburgh Urban Christian School in Wilkinsburg. Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. I've had this story on my desk since last week, and we've just been so packed with stuff uh, for the show that I haven't had a chance to talk about it. But listen, the guy from Australia who was on a boat for two months lost at sea with his dog... I mean, Lexi, do you know about this? No, not what? at all. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Okay. Tim Shattuck is 51 years old. Uh, his dog, Bella, uh, they were sailing from Mexico to French Polynesia when rough seas damaged their boat, knocked out their whole electronic system. They were adrift. They were cut off. They had nothing. All they had was a portion of their boat had was they had like a cabin Mm -hmm. so that they were sheltered from the sun. Um, So they were at sea, the two of them alone for more than two months. Oh, my gosh. And think the vastness of the Pacific. It's not like someone because someone needs to go out and find that guy. You know what I mean? The tiny boat. Uh, Shattuck said, quote, I've been through a very difficult ordeal at sea. Uh, The pictures of him when they found him, he looks a lot like Tom Hanks and Castaway. 
Seriously. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he said, I just need rest and good food because I've been alone for a long time. <laughs> Otherwise, I am good health. I am in good health. Um, the uh, There's been a lot of analysis, and he, they've talked to him and been with the dog and everything. They said that the key for them living was that they were able to drink rainwater and they were able to get out of the sun, right? Uh, Tim was able to catch fish, and they ate it raw, he and the dog. Oh. Okay, they did that for two months. Um, the the physicians who have uh, looked at this guy and talked to him said one of the reasons they believe he survived was because of the dog, because of the companionship of mm-hmm. the dog, because otherwise he might have lost his mind um, because he knew the chances of them being found were really slim. Um, well, the update to the story that I just saw today is that um, the dog was not even his dog. Okay, I don't even know. It wasn't even his dog. I don't even know how the dog ended up on the boat yet. But um, because Australia has uh, laws that you can't bring a dog into the country, Mm -hmm. he couldn't adopt the dog. So he, uh, the dog was adopted by one of the guys from the rescue crew who found him. The dude was super excited about the dog. The dog is recovering well. This guy is recovering well. But can you imagine? Being out there and thinking, is anyone coming for me? No, not at all. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Hey, happy to have you along for today's edition. Uh, have a great night, Pittsburgh. See you right back here tomorrow. With John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.